when they absolutely need to make decisions. So all of that sort of plays together with regards to understanding that the it's not just your customer's perspective you need to be aware of. It's your employee's perspective. It's the health of your company going forward that you need to really understand that digital is really a table stake at the end of the day. Welcome to B2B Commerce Uncut, a journey through change. On this podcast, we have honest, hard-hitting conversations with thought leaders, distributors, and innovators in digital commerce and transformation. We explore not only the success, but also the challenges that manufacturers, distributors, and wholesalers can face in achieving successful digital transformation for their companies. This episode is brought to you by Oro, a leading innovator and provider of customer-driven, powerful and connected open source software for B2B digital transformation. Oro seeks to build long-term trustful relationships with its customers, integrators, developers, and technology partners by empowering people with the best tools to digitalize their business. Find out more at oroinc.com. That's O-R-O-I-N-C.com. And here's your host, Daphna Andrews. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to B2B Commerce Uncut. And we are very lucky today to have an excellent guest, Stephen Javor. He currently serves as the Global Director of E-Commerce for North America at Schneider Electric, which is a Paris-headquartered multinational known for its expertise in energy management, automation, and sustainability solutions that span various sectors, which include residential, commercial, data centers, infrastructure, and industrial applications. So in the U.S., you may know Schneider through the major electrical brand, which is Square D, I believe, Stephen. That's the name. And Stephen has a rich professional journey spanning over two decades in the digital business sphere. His leadership roles have crossed geographic boundaries, reaching Canada, the United States, and the European Union. And his strategic prowess has been instrumental in developing both B2B and B2C digital strategies for a number of high-profile national and international brands, which I'm sure everybody has heard of, Amazon, Granger, Graybar, Walmart, among just some of the few. In addition to this, he has helmed two startups in the online retail and digital services sectors. So we welcome Stephen. Thank you so much for being a part of this discussion today, where we're going to be talking about B2B digital commerce and why you should be implementing it if you haven't yet. And if you have ways that you can realize more benefits, hard and soft benefits, and what really does a B2B digital channel bring to your company? And we'll be talking about all of that and more. So let's go ahead and get started. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me, Daphne. Great. So I'm very curious with everything that you have done in your career, which is very impressive. What do you see as some of the main business opportunities that really arise from enabling a digital channel across the whole customer purchasing journey? Because a lot of people think it's just for the purchase, right? But really, as you know very well, there's a lot more to it. It's when customers are starting to research information. It's across the entire journey. So I'd love to get your opinion and thoughts on how it impacts that whole journey. And customers are loyal to the entire journey, right? Not only the discovery, the purchasing, the delivery, the after sales service. And so a company should start, if they have not started to realize this already, need to understand that the best way that they can continue to grow is to really understand that their target market is changing and that they're looking at their interactions with the company in a multi-dimensional frame set, especially when it comes to business to business. In B2C, we may be 
satisfied to go look for something and then decide whether we want it or not. Next week, we're not under any pressure but ourselves. But in a business environment, when you're buying for a company, you're buying for a service, you're buying for really on behalf of somebody else that you're going to be doing business with, that purchase may be your job. You may have people in the field that are waiting for the parts to come by for you to use them. And if you're not being able to provide a great service to that customer, then they'll choose someone else. And really, this also comes back down to really understanding the impact that your online presence has in 2023, which is so vast, considering that everyone needs to have that leverage of understanding what you're selling. There's still many businesses that I work with who have a lot of products that they're not actually focusing on online, on, on promoting it online. And the basic mantra for most people today is if they're going to go to your website and see a product and not find it, even though you may have it, they'll assume that you don't have it. If it's not online, they're not going to assume that you have it offline. They'll go just with one click and find it someplace else. So it's really multidimensional when you try to understand all the business opportunities that exist for businesses in the B2B space today to understand that they to more effectively be that choice for their customers. They need to be really present online and being very interactive in the way that they approach their customer relationships. And it's very interesting because I'm going on what some of the things you've touched on there is I think a lot of companies don't realize the impacts that digital channel has to even other vendors that they're working with. So I had a consulting opportunity to help with digital transformation of a major tool manufacturer. And they had all, they had the syndication of all the content to say all the retailers like Lowe's, Home Depot, everybody else. And what you can find is that when you have, say, a PIM or any sort of ODAM, things that you might need to basically then syndicate content, you can leverage that not only for your own website, but when you have a ecosystem that is clean and robust, you can scale very quickly. And I'm sure you find that because you guys must have, you have a lot of resellers. Yes. And scalability is key. Not only do we scale our product information through our PIM and through our syndication platforms, but we also syndicate our marketing content so that we make it easier for our resellers to get access to the content that they need, whether it's on social or email marketing or search marketing, and be able to place and personalize that content that aligns with our calendars, aligns with their calendars. So if we're promoting a certain product or a certain solution to a certain segment over a certain time period, that they can align with us because people are going to be hearing about it through all the work that we do on social media. They know they're not going to buy it from us. We're a large manufacturer. We go through resellers. They want to be able to connect the dots, go to the reseller and see that that offer is consistent. And so we spend a lot of time working with our distributors to make sure that they're aligned in the calendar with us and have access to all of these really easy to use tools. Because one of the things that we found is that everyone's resource start. There's never enough people. There's never enough time to get everything done. So whatever we can do to make that path easier for our distributors to be more effective online, more effective for their customers by being syndicating with our content, by syndicating our marketing content as well, is really makes the journey for the customer all that more seamless. That's a great point because you're not just scaling, but you're standardizing. So yes. you're ensuring by providing that content then, am I hearing this correctly, that by providing that content to those distributors and to those other resellers, what have you, you're basically ensuring that your message is consistent and your yes. customers are getting the messaging and any of the content, any of the branding, et cetera, you are putting out that's standardized. Is that correct? 
That's correct. And we're even extending it now to the shop experience at a lot of our resellers stores where we're putting on QR codes, we're putting up posters with AR so that we're digitizing the in-store experience to match with the online experience. Because in the omnichannel world today, people are interacting not just online. It's not the pandemic time anymore. They're going into stores. They're interacting with people through their mobile devices. And you need to take advantage of the fact that they've got the world at their fingertips and being able to syndicate that information as well. So we're trying to capture that information, not only online, but offline as well and connecting it to the online experience because it's all about data at the end of the day. The winners of tomorrow are the people that are capturing the data today. And this is the one thing that I would suggest to any of those B2B customers that are wondering about how to get online or what to do first. It really is going to revolve around data. We can touch upon what's happening in the future with generative AI and how that's also going to change really almost everything, the reality as we know it today. One of the things I see that are big challenges with customers is they think that they can just go And when I say customers, I mean B2B organizations that are selling to other businesses, that they feel like they can just put up a store, get some content out there, and they're done. But what they don't realize, one of the biggest challenges is the data, like you said, has to be clean. And the one of the biggest challenges I see is the catalog. So you can't just have a catalog with just random data and random information and just expect your store is going to solve the problem. The store is really doing, it's almost like a composable piece in the whole thing. Because it's really should be the store, the checkout or whatever, the look and feel, the UI, it's serving up the content. But really, the data needs to be in the source systems and be accurate, like you're saying, correct? And we're serving all our data. We know we have our set of data. We spend a lot of time making sure our catalog has all the right content and keywords and photos and 360s and videos and all that great stuff. And then we syndicate it and people take it in. Our partners take it in. But the smart ones also then there and add on top of that, right? Because now you've got the exact same content as everyone else. So you're not really super standing out. You're going to have to do a better job at SEO to get at it, or you're going to have to do a better job of marketing it to your own customers and hopefully trying to find some new ones, right? And then you get into all of this where you need to start thinking about personalizing that content for your customers, being able to get information from different sort of personalization platforms. We work with a few that are able to find those customers in your geographical base that will help you succeed and by giving you leads that you may not be able to find on your own. And we're seeing that all of that sort of really comes down to the capabilities that you have from your data side. And content data is just table stakes. You need to really start getting into the customer data. You really need to start understanding your segment data. You really need to understand your geographical footprint. You need to understand the types of customers. And most B2B customers, companies do understand this. They have, especially the ones that we work with, there's a difference between those companies that existed before the internet and the ones that started after. Because the ones that started after, they don't think about the ROI of their e-commerce solution. It's just part of their DNA. They existed because they started off with an online solution and that's just table six to go forward. However, if you're a business that exists before the real push the internet has given us, then you have to make a decision about, in a business case, I need to go and figure out how much, which platform I'm going to buy. I need to get resources for that platform. I need to get all kinds of content for that platform. All this is going to cost money. I need to build a business case and the business case is going to have an ROI. And that's a different mindset than a lot of digital companies. And so when we see that traditional businesses, when they have to take on this no digital step, 
they need to look at investment a bit differently than those digital native companies. And that's a barrier sometimes. What we find that the most really for a company to really jump on to digital now, it really starts off with three things. And one is the most important thing is governance, that you need to have a CEO that has the vision and is able to remove the barriers so that you can move forward because there will be barriers. There'll be resistance. Now, when I talk about all of my experience in B2B e-commerce over the past 20 years, as much as I like to call myself a digital expert, so to speak, I really consider myself more to be a change manager. So right? true. Because it's really about change management. And that really starts with understanding that you need to have that kind of visionary leadership at the top that's going to help you break through some of the questions that you're going to have from the teams about how they're going to be able to move forward. You need to have a really good integrator. That's sort of secondly, that has experience in working with B2B companies that are able to help you put those platforms into place. And then thirdly, you need to have be able to train your staff to actually run it when the project, quote unquote, finishes and the integrator leaves you on your own. You've given birth to this baby. Now you've got to feed it and keep it alive and make sure it's breathing. And you need to have all that sort of in place at the same time. And that creates a lot of barriers. And so you need that leadership. It starts there up there. If you start in the middle or at the bottom and try to grow it, I have found in my experience, it takes a long time and then people change and it dies on the vine. You need to have that governance in place. You need to have that visionary leadership at the top with the board of directors, making sure that this is part of their strategic plans going forward, or you're going to have a hard time at it. Another great point, because I can tell you that B2B digital commerce, anything, it's not easy, right? But here's the thing. The reward is extremely large. If you, like you said, nurture it like a baby, if you treat it like an ongoing living, breathing thing, where you have a roadmap and you have a backlog and you have a rolling strategy that you're constantly looking at and you're constantly not just grooming the backlog for capabilities, but you're actually looking at your strategy and how are you going to market and are there other channels? And can you use digital transformation initiatives to actually penetrate new markets or gain market share? Things that B2B commerce does is amazing means that it empowers your employees to make a lot of decisions based on data that they didn't have before. That takes down walls of bureaucracy. So for what you were saying is that it is absolutely critical that you go into this as seeing it as an ongoing, living, breathing part of your company. And while it's very difficult, I have to say, there's a reason I've been doing this for now going on 23 years, because B2B commerce is so exciting. And I think you can also share that. Yeah, it's really the early days of B2B e-commerce, and it's going to go exponentially fast with the way technology is changing especially as we talked about before with the impact of generative AI and we really aren't sure how that's going to change things, but it will change things the way search is conducted. But the other point that I really wanted to make is that right now you're being judged by your online presence as a B2B company. People who are, if you're looking for new customers and they come to your website and you are not really giving them the information that they need that your competitors are giving them, then they're going to look at you and say, do you have it together? Is this an implication about the rest of your service? You have to understand that even though most of your customers, and I would say for most B2B companies, it isn't the online diffuse transaction that happens through the shopping cart that's the important part. Your larger customers are going to be paying you with POs. They're going to be using things to pay you through a system-to-system EDI methodology, but they're still going to be doing all their discovery, all of their research online with you. So the ROI of your website should not be focused just on what goes through your web shop, but the impact that it has on all the different ways of buying. You need to differentiate the shopping experience 
and the buying experience and how they both are coordinated through your online presence, through your website. And never mind that you should get into composable commerce and headless commerce and connect all the data points that you have in your shop stores and things like that I spoke about before. So one thing I do want to say is other than the fact that we are seeing a very clear indication of the workforce is becoming more and more digitally native. And you and I have talked about this before about, you know, what I mean by that is these people are retiring and people who are coming into the workforce and the B2B buyers are people who are used to basically having the internet, having information at their fingertips at any second. So other than that indicator of the workforce driving the need for change, what other indicators do you see a company should look for when thinking about implementing a B2B digital commerce channel? Because there's a lot of people out there listening who are like, is this right for me? Should I do this now? I'd love to get your expertise. Just think of your workforce, the people that you want to hire over the next little while to help run your company. They're going to have expectations. They're going to have expectation that you have a certain technology stack that they're able to effectively do their jobs. We see a lot of movement from one company to other, especially with the millennials and the Gen Zs who last two or three years, if you're lucky. And you spend a lot of time training them. They're not native to a lot of the B2B concepts. So it takes a lot of time for them to understand what our particular view of the world, our particular view that our customers have of products and stuff like that. So they're not going to wait for you to get with it. Mm-hmm. They're going to expect you to understand what are the table stakes. What are you going to need to do marketing more effectively? What are you going to do to do customer service more effectively? On the logistics point, are you up to date with what's going on? And are you able to satisfy your customers with the right context and the right information at the right time when they absolutely need to make decisions? So all of that sort of plays together with regards to understanding that the it's not just your customers perspective you need to be aware of. It's your employees perspective. It's the health of your company going forward that you need to really understand that digital is really a table stake at the end of the day, especially on the worst perspective. And can you speak a little bit to the fact that it's not just about the e-commerce store, but then you have to also transform your processes, how people are doing their jobs. If you'd like to go into that for a moment, that'd be great. It's interesting because what we're looking for in our day-to-day work life, the ability to be effective, efficient, recognized that we're actually moving the ball forward and they're not running at the same spot, doing the same things over and over again. A lot of that is going to be replaced by the generative AI that's going to be able to do some of the common tasks. And what we're going to start seeing is the creativity will come more to the forefront. What is the future of being a coder is now thrown up for to question, right? You know, 10 years ago, we were told, look, everyone jump into STEM. You're going to need to learn to code. Now we're hearing, hey, you know what? Chat GPT can actually improve the code that you have. It can actually go through all your contracts and point out where you can be better and where you can become more efficient. So we need to learn how to use this new technology and understand that there's as many negative impacts of it as well as positive impacts, but the short term will focus on the positive. But I think understanding that it's going to be a very competitive future and you're going to need to understand that people aren't going to wait for you to catch up. They're going to kind of foresee it as we're climbing a ladder right now to success. And there will be a point where that ladder gets cut in half. And if you're on the top part of that ladder with the right technology stack, with the right view of your employees, with the right view of training and the right leadership, you'll succeed. But if you're on the bottom part of that ladder, you will always stay on that bottom part. And you may actually fall off of that, the bottom part of that ladder, or the people that are on the top part of that ladder will dominate your industry and you'll have a harder time of it. We have to remember that Amazon is a technology company. 
They're not an e-commerce company. They're a technology company that just happens to do e-commerce. And it's interesting also because if you look at when the pandemic hit, the companies that were at the level top half of the ladder digitally and having digital channels, how much better did they fare? You look at like things, even just, I remember Omnichannel back in about 2019, 20 or 2000, beginning of 19, right? Yeah. That was more new. Everyone was, you know, that was great. And the ease of ordering something online, then the pandemic strikes and people cannot find PPE. But if they yeah. go online at Home Depot, it yeah. was already omnichannel all the way and their inventory was spot on. You look at those kinds of things and you think about, wow, let's think about in the next two to three years, you need to be in this digital channel to benefit from whatever. And I don't want to say the next pandemic, but whatever is coming, right? We don't know. So we need to be as prepared as possible. And digital channels are really obviously, like you said, table stakes. Something is coming. You and I have been around long enough to remember. I remember when the internet came out in 1995 and I was writing code. We're using Tim Berners-Lee HTML 1.0. I remember 2000. You're dating us, Stephen. Don't yeah, I know, but that Sun Microsystems and IBM were the biggest companies back then. Then 2003 comes along social media. B2B didn't understand it. B2C just tried to figure it out. And all of a sudden we got companies like Meta. We got companies like ByteDance and all that rest of the stuff. YouTube came into play. MySpace. Then, MySpace, exactly. Then the smartphone, 2007. No one really understood the impact of that that completely changed the world with the distributed apps going around. And now everyone had the knowledge of the world in their pockets. This feels like that. Generative AI feels like that, except on a much faster scale. And you need to have your feet on the ground. You need to have a play in your company involved in this in some way, because I fear it's a bulldozer. It's very interesting because The other piece to this is, like you just said, the smartphone, right? Some countries, upwards of 80% or more of transactions are performed on their smartphone, right? Now, a lot of people say, oh, that's B2C. Actually, no, it's very much B2B. In fact, when you have workflow that's very complex and say you're ordering half a million dollars in server infrastructure, what have you, there are going to be a lot of approval points on that, right? You're going to have your IT person, you're going to have your CTO, then whatever. And people are on the go. And if they can't approve that order on their mobile phone, it's going to be a real problem. That's something to also think about. B2B, people all think, well, no, 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 B2B is this slower dinosaur. No, it's not. And people who are purchasing for B2B are people who are using Amazon. And they're using all these online tools that they're expecting their B2B platform to deliver to them. I was at the B2B online conference last, was it last week or two weeks ago in Chicago? And there was a great debate put on by the masters of B2B of is Amazon going to replace traditional distribution? And they had a great debate. It was funny. It was very thorough. And in the end, we had the vote. This is a couple of hundred B2B experts in the crowd, all coming from distribution, most of voting yes, that it will. And the tricky part of that question was traditional distribution. And Amazon will replace and generative AI will replace traditional distribution. So you can't be traditional anymore. You need to move digital. You need to make sure that you are part of the conversation with the new millennials and Gen Z's coming onto the market. Everyone's been trained over the pandemic to use their phones as another shopping tool. You need to be present. Even if they're not going to be buying on that phone, they're going to be using and looking at your content and looking at the way you treat them as a precursor, whether they want to continue doing business with you or is there someone more efficient? that able to give them a better experience. Again, customers are loyal to that entire experience, not just the shopping experience. Yeah, and there's been numerous studies that have found 
especially from a customer success and ARR standpoint, that consumers in a B2C environment, they're going to repurchase and stuff if they're happy. The whole mantra of the customer is, you know, obviously always the priority, but you know, that the customer, the person, the customer needs to be happy. In B2B, all these, I've seen three studies now where, yes, the person has to be happy, but what really keeps the ARR and keeps you a loyal customer is one, how easy and efficient can they do their job by transacting with you and how successful can you make their company? As a distribution, you have two jobs. Either you're going to save your customer money or you're going to make your customer money. That's your role. And you have to be able to do that better than the next company. And what customers are looking for is someone that has their back. If I make a mistake or if something doesn't come through, can you come through for me? Are you able to go that extra mile? There is another study that nearly 80% of B2B customers are willing to pay more for a product to get a better experience, right? 100%. That's why customers your job always... is tied to work. Yeah, exactly, right? It's not just your daily job, but also your success in your job, you know, everything about it. That's a huge part of your life. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we are wrapping up here, I'd love to get a couple points from you on what do you see as if you're talking to people who, let's say, don't have a digital channel yet, what do you think would be like the starting point for them to think about to start their digital channel? What should they be looking at? Just a few things to get people's mental juices flowing and and really start looking at them. It comes down to really understanding when your target market, who your segments are, who you're serving, understand how they're changing. In the electrical business, we understand that most of the electricians, they're in their late 50s, they're transitioning. And if you're not ready now for what's coming up next, you might miss the entire boat. Second thing you have to understand is how are you differentiating yourself from your other competitors? What are you doing differently that's going to increase that experience? And this is where I think we do have an advantage over the Amazons. The distribution companies do have these relationships with humans. They are able to put that human face onto it. We're still doing business because we, it's based on trust. You want to trust your partner. You want to have a partner in B2B. It's not just a transactional relationship. It's steeper than that. Mind that. Understand what your differentiation is. And third is really just understand the monetization opportunities that you have. The fact that you're going to collect all this data, that you can do all kinds of great personalization, that you can blossom out other businesses from this information that you're gathering and expand what your capabilities are and make sure that you're not missing the boat when it comes to data and what's coming up with generative AI. Things are going to be going so much faster than they've ever been. Yeah. Stephen, thank you so much for participating today. And I'd love to continue in the future having more discussions. You are truly not just a veteran, but I say that in the highest praise that you really are just an expert in this field. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your kind words. This episode is brought to you by Oro a leading innovator and provider of customer-driven, powerful, and connected open-source software for B2B digital transformation. Oro seeks to build long-term, trustful relationships with its customers, integrators, developers, and technology partners by empowering people with the best tools to digitalize their business. Find out more at oroinc.com. That's O-R-O-I-N-C.com. Thank you for listening to B2B Commerce Uncut, A Journey Through Change, powered by Oro. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.